Okay, welcome back to the latest United podcast post-match after the 1-0 win uh, against West Brom, should I say. We're at Scruffy Murphy's, the, our old pub for the Man United Supporters Club. Unfortunately, Piermont Bridge Hotel were unable to host us for this early morning kickoff, but it's always good while challenging to come out to the pub at 7 in the morning. But it was a, I'd say, a difficult game to watch at times, but I'm joined by Adrian, Emma and Brendan, who have all been on the podcast before and members of the Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney. Larry didn't brave the trip um, early this morning, so he stayed in bed with his blanket, I assume. But um, we'll just have a bit, bit of a quick match, quick post-match reaction, then we'll discuss maybe the match in further detail uh, later with Larry. So it'll be maybe a bit of a split podcast. But we'll start with Adrian, and we'll go on to... We'll start with the team selection, which we do every podcast. I think the main sort of headache, or not main headache, but main situation that arose from the team selection was obviously no Paul Pogba. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, interesting that um, that Ollie sort of come out and said that he picked up a bit of a knock in the, uh, the last France game. Um, whether that's, again, sort of Ollie making a decision based on Pogba's comments earlier in the week, I'm not too sure. But, yeah, um, interesting that, again, dropped for the game. Or well, well you say there that he picked up a knock playing for France and that, OK, so he doesn't play for United. However, Solskjaer in the press conference was saying Victor Lindelof had a big injury playing for Sweden and he's got really sore back, however, Victor Lindelof plays. So, Emma, I know your thoughts on Paul Pogba, but the latest situation... Just the latest situation on, in terms of Solskjaer, is Solskjaer protecting him? Is Solskjaer throwing him under the bus? So just your thoughts on Pogba's... I don't, uh, I don't think he's playing. doing either. I just don't think Pogba is going to fit into our team. Yeah. Um, the way we're playing, he, he, his role is fairly redundant. So, um, I, yeah, I think Ferguson had the right idea getting rid of him all those years ago. I think that's the thing in terms of just the, the player himself, regardless of the baggage that comes with him, just, OK, where does he fit in this team? And if you look at the way we're playing and... I wouldn't say his reliance on McTominay and Fred and Matic, but those types of players, and there's no drop in Bruno. Bruno's obviously Solskjaer's player, so at the moment, as good as I feel Pogba is, in terms of the t- style of player, you're right, I don't think there is real room for him. We did um, discuss that on the podcast last time, that he doesn't deserve to play at the moment because Bruno's playing well, so, well, we'll get into Bruno's performance if he played well or not. Bruno is making the difference. But, um, Brendan, we'll just move on to... One that won't get the headlines, but I'm sure in a couple of days it will get a few headlines. Mason Greenwood still not in the squad? Yeah, seems very interesting. I mean, I, I spoke with you yesterday about it regarding how confidently Solskjaer answered the question during the press conference. I feel like he didn't dodge the question and answered it pretty well in, in terms of his, uh, his just looking after the player and making sure that uh, he does the right thing by him. So time will tell whether or not more information comes out around that, but... Um, Hopefully there's nothing too much in the background regarding um, anything that may have happened with Greenwood. So hopefully we'll see him back in the squad soon. And this is one of the ones I still remember under Ferguson, there'll be a player, and sometimes the high-profile ones like a Wayne Rooney or Cristiano Ronaldo, sometimes Ferguson just wouldn't play them for weeks. And there'd be no reason. Sometimes it would even send them away on holiday to Dubai or something for a couple of weeks. Now, obviously, that can't be done at the moment because if you go away, you're going to have to come back in a bubble for two weeks. So that's not an option. But... I, this, this mainly hope, obviously got no information, but I just hope it's a case of Solskjaer just saying, look, Greenwood, you've had this fantastic season, you may be in the middle of this second season syndrome, maybe just have a few weeks off and sort of fly under the radar a little bit because we've seen how not under the radar Greenwood is at the moment, both on and off the pitch, he is getting criticised. Uh, 
I think I think it's one of those they, they've uh, had their go at Rashford, and now he's yeah. he's proving himself to be the man and the role model that he is. Yeah. And it's there's other players that have done the same, and it's just trying to find their next weak link to pick yeah. on in this. And everyone likes a scandalous story. Yeah. So I'm really hoping a lot of the rumours that are flying around and absolutely nothing to do with him, and it's it's just going to be a case of he has been rested. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes you just think, come on. Yeah. No, human beings. No, fingers crossed. But we'll move on to. Feels like his debut wasn't his debut. His debut against PSG, which feels like about six years ago. There, Alex Tellez, Adrian um, came on. Obviously, now he's going to be playing a fair, fair bit now because obviously Luke Shaw is injured. But he was fantastic, or not fantastic against PSG. He's very good against PSG. Looked good and came on. And I wouldn't say he's great today, but he's involved. He looked. He, he looked good. He, he did his job well at left back. Yeah, I think I think he did the job. Um, you know, it wasn't wasn't an amazing performance. Didn't really sort of stick out, but nevertheless got the job done created a few chances um like I thought it was interesting that but they've obviously worked on this set piece in training where they take the corner and Tellez gets on the volley at the edge of the penalty area um you know it'd be great if one day it does pay off and we get a goal like that no I think that's definitely one because players like that whether it be Tellez to Bruno or Bruno to Tellez nine times out of ten those shots don't come off they look horrible they look a bad mistake but they're players who do have the ability to do that and as you say one day will come off and one day will be goal of the season let's hope it is um, quite soon but we'll move on to Emma we are here at the pub watching it was quickly after half time thought okay let's see if we can get an early goal to sort of settle the nerves other end of the field it was a little bit of a touch of nerves there where we obviously give away a penalty now I think a lot of us our first reaction was penalty they're not going to overturn it but then obviously when VAR gets involved and they slow everything down, um, just your oh, thoughts on there the There's a few incident? referees in the pub today as well, so yeah. I think, I think the fairly, it was fairly consensus that no penalty. Well, we'll go to Adrian, <laughs> the, the referee, in regards to your first reaction, but then also seeing it go to VAR and what the referee would have been thinking. Yeah, I mean, well, when, I, when I first saw it live, I said straight away, that's not a pen. Um, I, I was pretty confident that it wasn't a pen, and when he gave it, I knew I, I had this gut feeling that it was going to go to VAR. Um, and yeah, like you, nine times out of ten, when it does go to VAR, the referee um, probably will go with the recommendation from the VAR. Um, you know, like I think it would be a pretty bold move for the referee to go over the screen and still stick with their original decision. But yeah, I think just based on when you when you sort of slow the re, slow the incident down, um, you can see that Bruno does get the ball, and then there's sort of contact afterwards. But yeah, for me, it wasn't a pen. No, good God, fingers. Because, look, I would have backed De Gea to save for some reason. I had a feeling if it goes to a penalty, I thought De Gea was going to save it for some reason. But obviously, speaking of the other end, um, it comes with a ticket at Old Trafford these days, Brendan. Uh, Bruno Fernandes penalty. Definitely, definitely a penalty. Um, shame to see him, you know. And, and uh, Sam Johnson for West Brom definitely came off the line, so... Right, rightfully so, it should have been retaken. So well, yeah, that, that was the first thing. I, I that, forgot, obviously, Bruno... Obviously, also misses penalties these days now. Seems to be his standard thing and score the retake. I think a few of us discussing here, just as we'll take, I was discussing with Matt from the Man United Supporters Club, his skip up the penalty, in the penalty take. Fan of it or not a fan? Not, not a fan. I just want to see a player put his foot through the ball and put it into the back of the net. Um, I'm it, not too sure. Well, they not, but he's not kicking it that hard. He's, he's not, not kicking, kicking it, it into the corners. You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, exactly. I'm not too sure what the skip brings. You're trying to put the keeper off, but I think you need that power behind the shot as well. But can you look at, and I completely agree, however, we're going to discuss his performance in a little bit, but the size of the balls on Bruno Fernandes to do the skip again mm. and score, like, 
it's, it's an ama- amazing confidence he has. Anybody but, else wonder what Fred said to him? Because Fred went up from him, didn't he, when he had to do the retake. Well, well we, we discussed <laughs> that Bruno Fernandes was on the, Man United, the official Man United podcast last week, and they dis- he discussed when he missed the penalty against PSG, because it was after he missed the one against Newcastle as well. And he said, look, I've just missed two in a row. The players probably won't want me to take this. Does anyone else want to take it? And all the players at Rashford, Martial, Fred, all went up to him and said, no, this is your ball, you take it again. So that gave him the confidence. So I assume as soon as he missed this, the players did the exact same thing. So... I assume it's just confidence, just encouragement, say you'll put this one away. But it's nervous because just on Bruno's performance, I wouldn't say good, but just at times you just want to say, get off the field. You are doing nothing. You're killing us. You're West Brom's best player. Like you've made more successful passes to them. But at halftime, I said, and I'm not a fortune teller or anything, but I said, this is the type of game Bruno's going to win at 1 0, where he's yeah. been so bad, but at the end of the day, he delivers. Yes. We've seen that in the past from players like Cantona. We went on a streak, I mean, going back nearly 25 years now, we went on a streak of a, a bunch of 1-0 wins with Cantona stand, stepping up to win us the game by just a goal. Uh, and I think Fernandes is a bit of a talisman at the moment, but um, looking at the lineup that Solskjaer chose today, he chose most of the players who didn't have a, a heavy workload this week in terms of internationals, but Fernandes was one of those players who played um, midweek for, for Portugal, whereas a lot of the other players like Mata, Martial... Um, Matic obviously retired from Serbia now a lot of them didn't play a lot of international time through the week so I think that's probably played a part in Solskjaer's selection today but Fernandez was was probably a player who's had a heavy workload lately and it showed today. We just mentioned there in terms of Bruno Fernandez. you mentioned the comparison with Cantona and obviously we're not going to sit here and say he's the next Cantona and he's had the same impact as Eric Cantona had however is there a scenario Emma where you think that and again not to maybe the Eric Cantona level but we will put Bruno Fernandes in, if, if we win one or two trophies and Bruno's sort of pivotal in it, will we see him as that, dead, that difference maker? Oh, obviously not there's to that a, level. There's a while, yeah. yeah. The, the potential is there. The potential is there for he, him to be one of our all-time greats. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a, a long way to go before he, he fits in that bucket. Don't, no, go I think for him to really take his game to the next level is he needs to be more consistent. Like, it's great that we, you know, we can rely on Bruno to have those one or two sort of moments of individual brilliance in the game, and those you, that, that, that usually gets us across the line. But what we really need is to start seeing sort of a consistent shift um, where he can put in a good 90 minutes every week and just play consistent football. Well, that, that, that's where I've made the... And a lot of people disagree with me, and that's fine, but that's where I've made the argument where I don't feel... I think his leadership is fantastic off the field and on the field as well. But as a captain, if I'm playing next to Bruno Fernandes and I misplace a pass and Bruno says, what are you doing? You've got to play that better. I say, hang on, you've misplaced your last 70 passes. So that is where I feel Bruno, in terms of a captain material, I don't quite see... His leadership is fantastic, but I don't think putting a bit of fabric on his arm... Is um, really going to change it, but just going to Brendan, the last point on the actual match, you mentioned there in terms of the workload a lot of players had, so a lot of travel, and that was maybe influential in Solskjaer's um, team selection. That last 10 minutes, do you think it was a fitness issue, or do you think United were just scared, scared beyond the means to go on for that winner? Because so many times in that last 10 minutes, you thought, okay, go on, go get that second goal, and they're just walking pace. Was it a fitness thing, or were they scared to risk it? I think it was probably a combination, but yeah, they, it would have been nicer to see them uh, really finish the game off strongly. I mean, you brought on Cavani, who played, uh, he got sent off for Uruguay midweek, so he played about 70 minutes during the week. He had to travel all the way to South America. You had Van der Beek come on, um, he played for the Netherlands during the week, and 
Who was that our, our other sub? Scott McTominay. Scott McTominay, yeah, yeah. Had, you know, game time for Scotland, obviously. So, once again, um, I think it's a combination of fitness. They've all, they've all had a heavy schedule lately. And the last time, I think, as a squad, they would have trained together. It probably stretches back nearly four weeks. Yeah. So, I think it is a, a fitness thing, as well as the fact that uh, they just need to find that rhythm again because they just haven't had time to train together. But it would have been nice to see them really push on because whether or not you've um, played midweek or not, you come on the last 10 minutes of a game, your legs should be fresh, yeah. should be you know, raring to go forward and really finish the game off strongly. So that would have been nicer to see them push hard at the end to get a second one. Well, it's one of those ones there like, we've just beaten West Brom, we've just got three points, it's fantastic. And the situation, it's our first win at Old Trafford this set, albeit in the league, we obviously beat Leipzig. And as frustrating as the performance was at times, it's such an important win because no one's going to talk about this. The Solskjaer's moved above Guardiola in the table. And Pep Guardiola has just signed a new contract at City. Um, that's a podcast for another day. That could mean a few things in terms of the future of both clubs. But it's a huge result. It's, it's a little bit lacklustre. We think, oh, it could have been better, but it could have been a lot worse. You know what, though? Like, even, even under Fergie, there were games where we would just grind out a 1-0 result. And at the end of the day, you know, obviously, I'm not saying that we're challenging for the title, but that is how teams win titles. Like, Liverpool last season consistently won games 1-0, 2-1, late goals. Um, at the end of the day, the results are results. Three points, three points. And, yeah, we'll take it. And, and hopefully, um, against Besiktas here on Wednesday, can finally start scoring some goals. Well, you say that. You say we're not in a title race. We're on tw- Tottenham are on 20 points with a, with, and they've played a game more than us. We're on 13 points. So, look, again, we know we're not in a title race. But, my God, you win that game in hand, and I think that's against Burnley. I don't know when that is. I think it might even be next year. It's a while before we have that game in hand. But it is an open season. And, again, I don't want to... We can joke about it, a title race, but it can happen. I think I was saying earlier to someone that... It, it, you look at Liverpool and the number of injuries they've got, they're going to struggle. Yeah. You look at City, they're not playing good football. And you'd have thought from last year, those teams who were going to dominate. Mm. At the moment, it's looking like Spurs, probably Leicester, even Southampton yeah. are, are, are looking good. And Chelsea, with all their buyers, are looking pretty good. So really, we top two or three shouldn't be impossible this season yeah. for us. But we've just been so inconsistent. So if we can just, as you say, grind out these 1-0 wins mm. um, and, and just pick up the points rather than picking up the draw... Um, see what we get to we're still a long way before Christmas so just keep going and I think the other good thing as well is that we've played most of the tough teams already this season like we had sort of between September and October and early November we had you know Chelsea um, Spurs Arsenal Everton like we've played a lot of, of the top teams this season already and I think we're going into the next few weeks a run of games against some of the lower lower position teams which I think we need to really capitalise on and take it I completely agree but they're almost the ones that we do like West Brom if you clear the games we struggle in like a sort of fanciest away at Man City but at home to West Brom will be with just one they're the games that are those potential banana skins now as I said at the start of the podcast we're a bit of a split one we'll discuss the match and sort of broader issues surrounding everything a little bit in a bit more detail with Larry um, when I get home but because we've got three guests here we'll do our three two ones I'll just go around the table um, Adrian three points for me Fred I think Fred um, was great um, he sort of made the challenge that ended up going uh, getting the ball to matter which you know won us the penalty he also... were you surprised there we'll go back to your point on Fred but were you surprised there as the referee in the room that 
when they went to VAR to check the handball that they didn't give the foul on Fred? Yeah, I mean, I, I, my, my, my gut instinct was that it was a foul by Fred, but, you know, um, I'm not going to complain. We got, the, we got the penalty, we got the goal. But, yeah, I think Fred overall put in a good shift. It wasn't, wasn't amazing, but, yeah, I think um, he really was, was running the midfield quite well. I think especially because I called for Matic to start, but I thought Matic was poor today. And um, Fred, yeah, I think his energy in there really sort of accounted for a lot of Matic's mistakes. But I'll go to Emma for any idea for potential two points. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking possibly Tellez. I think he had a pretty cracking first Premier League game. He worked really well with Rashford at times down the, the left-hand side. No real mess-ups and some absolutely cracking passes into the yeah. box. Um, I think Bruno should get a mention because he had the balls to step up and take a second yeah. penalty. I don't know if he deserves points, but I think he deserves an honourable mention. Um, and the only other person I thought was Harry Maguire. I, I, thought, Harry, I thought Harry, I thought Harry Maguire was... I'll go with Brennan for one point. So I, think, I agree with Paulo Tellez for two, but would you say Harry Maguire for one point? Yeah, yeah exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, I, I thought he was... He's, since the last couple of weeks, he only started the season quite poorly and then everything that was surrounding, um, everything that came with Harry Maguire. But in the last two or three games, obviously, he did well for England. I think it all culminated with that red card he got in the last international break for England. But since then, he's actually come in and done quite well and he, he could have had two, two or three goals today. He could have easily hidden away, but he, he stepped up from everything that happened. The red card, the incident in Greece. But, no, he's, he's doing the job for us. No, fantastic. Captain, leader, legend. Well, hopefully legend in the future. <laughs> no, that'll come. But um, as I said at the start, we will discuss the match in further detail with Larry in part two. So stay tuned for that. And um, good to chat here on a sad, uh, it feels like a Saturday, but a Sunday morning, 7am at the pub. Good to meet up with the Man United Supporters Club here. Um, we'll post on all the social medias a reminder that a few of us are playing in the Man United New South Wales versus Man City Supporters Club um, next Saturday. So stay tuned for that. The link is still there to donate if you can. Just a couple of bucks will go a long way. But um, stay tuned for part two and thank you for joining us, guys. Thanks, Tom. Cheers. Okay, welcome to part two of the United podcast reviewing the 1-0 win against West Brom. And as mentioned in part one of the podcast, Larry seemed to have a little bit of a sleep in and didn't join us at the pub. Um, How was your bed watching the match, Larry? Yeah, it was fantastic, Tom, but uh, no excitement, no morning glory, because it was a really subpar performance, wasn't it? Well, we are just discussing there before we um, clicked record that West Brom at home is just one of those games you can never remember. My main memory of West Brom at home is kind of typical, is that time where we obviously won 3-2 away at the Etihad, then two days later we come back to Old Trafford and lose to West Brom, gifting Manchester City the title. It just had that, almost a concern before the match as well, that it is that type of banana skin where you're almost expecting a sort of lacklustre performance. It is, but look, West Brom were there for the taking. I thought that they were quite spirited in their performance, but United's lineup and the way that they approached the game, I thought was really wrong. And I feel like Solskjaer got a lot wrong in terms of team selection and also how the team lined up. Well, just we'll go into his team selection and... I think the main issue, which I haven't really been on social media since full-time, but is what has been dubbed lately as the McFred. I don't know if it's a new meal at McDonald's or not, but it seems to be Solskjaer's main go-to midfield in terms of McTominay and Fred. I called before the match that I thought this would be the midfield. I thought it would be Matic, Fred and Bruno, just from the point of view that Matic and Fred didn't travel for international football, so I thought that would be fresh. But I thought Matic was extremely poor, and I'm not saying McTominay does a better job, but I thought 
in terms of what I just mentioned there, it had been quite lacklustre. I think McTominay's energy over Matic would have sort of maybe proved beneficial in this game. I agree with you. And we've spoken about this at length. United desperately need to get a genuine number six um, because Matic is the only player. And the one thing I will credit Matic with is you saw during the game, particularly more so in the first half, he drops in between Maguire and Lindelof and he's happy to get the ball off the goalkeeper. We don't have that option when Matic doesn't play. And that's just because there's no one else in the team who really, one, feels comfortable to do that role and two, is even capable of doing that role. I think Pogba can do it, but obviously he didn't play, which you've already touched on earlier at the pub. And... Yeah, I feel like the combination of McSauce and Fred, while not the most creative, is definitely functional, which we did lack today. Then you look, and look, I completely agree. However, and again, this isn't sort of, you can't read too much into it because obviously the last five minutes is a very different scenario to when a manager's picking his starting 11. But at the end of the game, it's Fred who came off for McTominay. He left Matic John, and I thought, I was screaming, I'm not screaming at the TV, but I was thinking, okay, McTominay's coming on, it'll surely be for Matic, not for Fred. What do you think of that sort of late substitution? I think it's just purely a rotational thing. Um, I imagine Fred plays against Istanbul, and uh, for that reason, he takes Fred off, whereas Matic, you'd expect, won't play yeah. midweek. So I think, yeah, I think that's just purely uh, looking forward um, in terms of resting Fred. Yeah, no, no, no arguments there. Now we'll move on to... Look, lucky you weren't at the pub because a few people had a few choice words about your boy Anthony Martial and I was so mixed on his performance because I thought when the ball came into him he was doing the right things and okay it wasn't his day it wasn't quite coming off for him but he was doing the right things and actually playing quite well but it looked bad it, I don't know if that makes sense it just looked like and again a lot of this might come down to his body language in terms of you compare his energy to someone like Marcus Rashford's energy but just your thoughts on Martial's performance in was it just a game where it just didn't click or he did play well or he didn't play well? Just your general thoughts on it. It's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, I think I was chatting to a friend about this and Martial, he looked almost disinterested in his body language when he moved out to the wing and Cavani came on. And then we saw that Cavani actually ended up wide left at a point in the match. It was almost as if Martial said to the Uruguayan, um, you go out there, mate, I'm striker here. Um, but I felt when Martial did get the ball, he was dangerous. And we've debated on this podcast numerous times around what Martial's best position is. I'm almost now convinced it is the left wing, um, almost like that inside forward, because like you said, every time he got the ball, he was doing the right things. And he was very dangerous around the box and towards the edge of the box, where I feel... For all his efforts, and despite getting that good effort on goal with his head early on in the match, and to be honest, he should have put the opportunity away, which is a good save by Johnstone, I think he just plays better with a bit of space in front of him, whereas I feel if uh, Rashford... Like, if you look at Rashford's performance, more energetic, but I felt his quality was genuinely lacking today. And I feel Martial's just an easy scapegoat for others purely because of his body language. Berbatov used to get similar criticisms because he wasn't one who tend to really bust a lung per se. I think United need to really find a structure and whether that's a formation change or a personnel switch, I don't have the final answer, but I feel like, and I'd be keen to see what you think, but I think just purely from today where most oppositions will sit back against us, you need to find a way to get Martial wide left, but also in a position where he can still get into the box and almost get that hold-up striker, something where maybe Cavani and Martial link up. 
I think there, I was discussing with George, who's been on the podcast and who's at the pub this morning as well, we've discussed it before, some of our performances last season that we looked quite good at was when we had two up front, whether that be in a 4-4-2 system with the diamond or with the three at the back, anything that allowed us with two up front. I think Martial always looked quite good there. And it, just the you mentioned if you're going to line up a player on paper, finding is, is he a striker or is he a left winger, you're not quite sure. You Sort of one week is this, one week is that. But if he's in that two-striker system, he can find himself a little bit to the left and the other striker can obviously take up the right-hand side. So I think, and again, we're not going to change the whole system to suit Anthony Martial, but just your thoughts on is finding his best position potentially in a two-striker system where he's still at centre-forward, he's still at striker in and around the goal, but he does have that, not licence, but just that ability to, to naturally drift wide where we still keep a centre-forward um, with the right-sided player coming across. There's a difficulty with this because in a diamond formation, United have actually put in some really good performances, particularly against the quote-unquote top six or what's considered the top six opposition. I don't think you can play that way against lesser sides. Um, It does lead United to be quite narrow in the diamond. And when you have a defense that's sitting back, I don't think there's, one, the protection for the defense on the counterattack because, look... For whatever you think of Maguire and Lindelof, they're not the most solid partnership. The other issue is because you're going to need to be coming forward, you actually need to be spreading out your players so you can stretch the defense. And I don't think a diamond allows for that on a week-to-week basis. I'm totally for a two-striker system. I mean, we saw under Sir Alex, it was a lot of 4-4-2. Or, you know, maybe someone just off the striker. But I'm not sure we have the midfield to accommodate that at the moment. You'd need a really high work rate yet creative midfield to have a system that way and I just don't think we have the personnel unfortunately yeah well look Martial's performances will always divide opinion so I'm sure we'll be discussing it at length on the podcast or two in a week or two's time but moving on and look from my side I think there's no hiding from it because I do, no one so everyone obviously understands my love for the guy and I called for him to start and thinking that he'd actually perform quite well in this type of game against West Brom but one matter had a poor game too. Oh, poor he just it wasn't influential. It just nothing was quite sticking. He didn't have the sort of creative impact that he usually does. But um, the reason I think he was poor or below par is I discussed on the last podcast with you, I'd play him on the right, but he doesn't really play on the right. You line him up there on your bit of paper before the game, but he always drifts inside, inside Bruno, inside behind the striker. However, today he was playing as a right winger and I think that was detrimental to his performance. I thought um, he has been good this season, but this season sort of, this game, sorry, was his worst performance of the season. It was, and with one Mata, as particularly at this stage of his career, I think he's still a very good player, but you need to have pace around him. And that's why when we did the preview, I said, almost suggested moving him into a number 10 position. If you look at the, where Bruno occupies in terms of when we're attacking, he actually comes quite deep. He almost sits in like a, a number eight position on the left. Um, maybe that's because Pogba wasn't playing because Pogba would tend to occupy that area. But nonetheless, so I thought if you actually play one Mata in, say, a number 10 role, have Bruno a bit deep next to, say, a Matic or a Fred, I think that that could work against oppositions like your West Broms where they are going to sit deep because Mata needs pace around him. If you think of the ball that Matic put in for Mata, it was a brilliant ball. And Mata made a good run, but he doesn't have the pace to get there. And that's not a criticism of Mata. You're asking him to play a position that he's just not suited to. So I'd really like to see Solskjaer have a bit of fluidity and look at the system to say, if I want one Mata in my team and I need that link-up play, play one Mata as a number 10, potentially. Otherwise, it's really just shouldn't be in the side. 
Well, I'm definitely not advocating for this, but what you say, you know, getting sort of pace in and around him, I'm definitely not suggesting this should happen. But if he wasn't going to take up a wide area, I'd probably more so play him on the left in terms of he'd have that ability to link up with Tellez. So I don't think for any creative player or any sort of top-level footballer, I don't think Wan-Bissaka is the easiest to play with because you're not quite sure what he's going to do. Do you want to play him... Do you want to sort of play him in behind and you're not quite sure if he's going to deliver a cross or not? So I don't think he's... He's almost a little bit like Antonio Valencia. I think he's very good at what he does. And look, I love Wan-Bissaka. But I think really good players in and around him almost don't really trust him going forward. So I think if you play him on the left with a footballer like Alex Tellez, I think he might link up a little bit better. But again, that is a podcast for another day. And again, it all comes down to ideally not playing one matter um, in a wide position. But... Um, no hiding from it, he was um, poor today by his standards. Now, someone who I don't think has ever been poor for Manchester United, but his minutes would sometimes suggest that he has been poor, um, Donny van der Beek again comes... Well, again, didn't start. Again, through no real shock, but it did raise some eyebrows. A lot of people obviously were calling for it. But he did come on again, and, well, OK, he did come on when the game was pretty much over. didn't have much to do. There was no mistakes again. Um, he hasn't put a foot wrong in a, in a red shirt. If you're going to need a playmaker in that wide right position, I wouldn't be against Van der Beek playing that one Mata role. I think Van der Beek just has that touch more pace than what one Mata does, so he can actually beat a man and go outside him if he has to. Um, again, someone who I'd like to see get more game time. And again, we're so rich in that number 10 position. Um, so, But yeah, he, he needs more time, Tom. Like You saw when he came on today, just having that one-touch ability. Um, he's obviously creative. Technical ability is very good as well. He really needs more game time. And if you look at where we struggled today, it was struggling to make clear-cut chances. I think Van der Beek from the get-go on that pitch perhaps creates at least one or two more opportunities. Yeah, no, definitely. And, well, we'll move into a little bit of a preview for the Istanbul game. Obviously, it is on Wednesday morning for us here in Sydney, Tuesday, over in Manchester. And we look at it, and a lot of people say, oh, this is a must-win game. Yeah, this is a must-not-lose game. I'm looking at this, forget the situation United find ourselves in with Solskjaer and points in the league and home form, etc. Just look at the Champions League group and the two following games. As, as fantastic as we did against Leipzig and PSG earlier, they're still very two hard games where, look, if you're honest with yourself, they're two games we could definitely lose in the coming weeks. So you almost this is almost a clear must win against Istanbul, considering the result against them last time. This is at home. I think this is just a textbook must win game. I'm with you. It is for sure because look, let's look at the West Brom result for what it was. It was a win at home in the Premier League, which we haven't managed to pull off this season. So from that perspective. We're off the mark, which is fantastic. The next step now for Solskjaer is getting consistency into the team. So it is must win. I don't think his position is safe by a long stretch. So I think he has to, he will go with a decent lineup. And if you're thinking about the midfield almost debate or you know discussion that we're having, I think you'll see a few players come in. We've almost forgotten about Paul Pogba for, our, for all our criticisms. I think this is a game where he comes right back in. Who would you bring in for, though? Because I think as much as we're going to talk about squad rotation, Bruno is pretty much undroppable. Um, his performance, uh, we might maybe touch on his performance in a sec, but he's the one who delivers. We've just discussed the importance of McTominay and Fred in a Solskjaer team. So where do you fit a Paul Pogba in if you're coming into a must-win game? 
I'd play him in the six. Um, I think you could play him next to either... I could see him McTominay, Pogba, midfield. Um, I think that that's really possible for this game. And like you say, Bruno in the number 10. Personally, I would actually rest Bruno. Um, I think if you give Van der Beek an opportunity to start here, he won't let anyone down. Um, but, you know, this is us giving our thoughts with the realistic expectation of what Solskjaer will probably do. Well, well the midfield is one debate, but... Just go back 10 yards into the centre-back position. I thought Lindelof and Maguire were very good today. Um, not so much as a partnership. I thought they didn't really add too much in terms of too many issues really to deal with. I thought all their issues were individual battles where they they dealt with quite well. I don't think sort of there was any sort of system issues where West Brom were playing in and around our centre-backs. So both players did very well. But Lindelof obviously carrying an issue with his back. It didn't look like it to me, but obviously Solskjaer did say that he did have quite an injury in his back. Um, is it a game where we're sitting here saying must win? Can you throw two ones in for Lindelof? Because two ones Xavier, look, we threw him in against PSG. It was fantastic. So obviously you can. Is Solskjaer going to the... I think he could. Look, the whole point of having a big squad is you're, you're meant to say all players can do a job for the starting 11 because the quality is there. What is the use of having a squad if you're not going to give them opportunities to step in? Just because it's a must-win game, it doesn't mean you need to burn out your starting 11. I think he can still rotate some positions. I think Tuan Zabi is obviously a good player, and on potential, he's better than Lindelof, in my opinion. So you do yourself no harm by giving him more opportunity because without minutes, he's just continually... He's going to be more suspect to a mistake or being rusty. So I think throw Tuan Zabi in, throw Pogba in. And in terms of the front the front options, I think it will be the status quo. Um, I want to ask you, we didn't see Greenwood today. Do you think this is a match where Greenwood comes back in, perhaps on the right-hand side? Yeah, I definitely wouldn't be opposed to it. I think if we're going to reward players, I'll be saying, OK, one man didn't, didn't do enough to keep his spot here, so I'd be looking to replace that right-hand side. And it would be Greenwood for me if it's not one matter. However, then I'm looking at... Well, he hasn't been involved. Dan James is somewhat involved in regards to being in and around the bench and did you see his goal during the week for Wales. Um, maybe he's as frustrating as he has been for United and I think both of us and a lot of people are clear that maybe he's not going to be good enough. Does he maybe deserve a shot? Oh, look, I'd go with Greenwood personally. Look, that goal from Dan James was fantastic, but taking into account the opposition and, in fact, if you look at the touch he takes before he takes the shot, it's actually not a good touch. But the defence he's versing isn't, you know, they're not high-quality Premier League defenders to be on his back. So, look, I think Dan James can play a role, but I think if you're going to bring him on, it, it's after you're perhaps a goal up and there's space to run in behind. Mm. Without space in behind, Dan James just is not effective. Yeah, no, look, de- yeah, de- de- definitely agree. I'm definitely not sort of pushing for Dan James to start, but I'm thinking we just don't know what the situation is with Greenwood, so if you are going to drop one matter... So Rashford obviously did come to the right for a little bit to accommodate Cavani and Martial. So I think that that, that is almost the most interesting part because mid- midfield will be an interesting one. Obviously centre-back with two and Zabi. But there are many um, different systems or different options he does have for that right-hand side. And depending on which player he does pick for that right-hand side out of the three of them, all three different players will sort of adopt a different approach to the way the team goes about the game. But um, we will be back on Wednesday or Thursday to discuss, hopefully an all-important three points at home in the Champions League. We have been good at home in the Champions League, obviously um, smashing Leipzig. So hopefully it is another positive podcast because we have won this game, but 
again, like I said, West Brom at home is kind of no matter what the result, it always seems to be a little bit of a lackluster feel after the game. But it is good to get points because we are above Manchester City now. So I am fully expecting to log on to Twitter now and see Pep out trending. It has to be because if Solskjaer is on the chopping block and has to leave, he's above Pep Guardiola. Yeah, he is. But, you know, it's Manchester United. Look, Manchester City, uh, and I know this is going to sound like a salty fan, but I really don't care. They are the equivalent of a, a man from Centrelink winning the lottery. You're still no one. You've just been given a lot of cash that you don't deserve. That's all Manchester City are. They're not a big club, and that's why no one cares. Simply, simply put. Well, speaking of Manchester City, we mentioned at the start of the podcast that um, we have our charity match coming up next Saturday um, in Sydney against the Man City Supporters Club, raising money for food banks in Manchester, and both Larry and I are playing. Um, just an update, Larry, on your fitness and the shape you're going to be in next Saturday. Um, I'll be in shape. It's just going to be a round one. But um, not in all honesty, I'll be ready to go. Um, diet started today, so hopefully I can drop half a kilogram by the time kickoff runs around. But look, I hear United are looking for a right winger, um, so maybe I can put in a shift and make my case. Okay, so everyone is obviously very welcome to come down and watch and um, scream abuse at Larry when he does his first Bebe cross into row Z. But um, if you want any more details, just send us a message and we'll let you know where and when. But if you're on social media, you definitely will see where and when. But um, other than that, good to chat to you, Larry, even though um, you enjoyed your little sleeping at the pub and not having to set the alarm to make the trip into the city. But um, always good to discuss a win, mate. Always good. Didn't feel like a win, but yeah, happy to dissect it and hopefully a good result midweek. No, definitely. So hopefully everyone enjoyed this sort of two-part podcast, one at the pub, one obviously at home. And um, make sure you're obviously subscribed on all your podcast apps and following us on all the social medias. If you can, if you if you haven't already given us a review on your podcast app, please do. You're holding your phone now as you listen to this. So it'll only take five seconds. We really appreciate it. And until then, we will chat to you during the week after the Champions League match. Cheers. All right, cheers.